Nation, authors, coaches, speakers. Three, two, one. Amplify your mission. Access training. AYMission.com. And here is your host. He's a best selling author, TEDx speaker, and was even named one of the top 10 dads in podcasting by Podcast Magazine. Please help me welcome to the stage, Adam Lewis Walker. Okay, this week, we're, all, we're talking about how to maybe enhance your message and, and not just all the tools and tactics, but behind all that, how to be sober or why would you even consider being sober and what are some of the benefits and, and how to achieve that in today's society. We've got Katie Janeko on the line and she is a sobriety coach and she's the chapter director for Engaging Speakers um, Chicago. There's lots we're going to speak about. We're going to dive straight into it. So firstly, Katie, are you ready to amplify your message today? Yes, definitely. Awesome. Amplify your message and mission, I should say, as well. So that was a very brief introduction I just said. Uh, is there anything you'd like to add or highlight? What are you all about? Uh, I'm, I'm mostly about, I would say, women and women's sobriety, uh, bringing women together in community and really focusing on collective healing. Okay. And your chapter director for Engaging Speakers uh, Chicago. So obviously you're a speaker as well. Um, tell us a little bit about your origins. Where are you originally from? Where are you speaking to us from today? I'm, I'm guessing it's probably Chicago way at the moment. Yeah. And uh, how did you get to this this point? I'm sure you didn't think I want to be a sober sobriety coach growing up. No, quite, quite far away from what I wanted to be when I grew up. Um, I'm from Chicago. I was born and raised here, uh, left for a short amount of time and came back. And, you know, when I grew when I was growing up, I always wanted to be a doctor. And, you know, that didn't work out. But uh, <laughs> I ended up here as a sobriety coach, which Never in a million years would I have actually thought this is where I would be at 35, almost years old and uh, living in Chicago, be, being sober myself. Yeah. So it's just really crazy. No, I was going to say, so what what got you to that point? When was I getting almost like the origin question of, of like, why, why a sobriety coach? Like, again, don't want to assume, but some people think, OK, it, pro- it likely went a bit pear shaped or it didn't go well not being sober to go to that point to try i know we we're speaking before the interview maybe try and go without drink for uh, like six months a year and then it, maybe it snowballs so w- why did you make that decision to to go sober so yeah i was 26 years old and as a 26 year old you know i didn't really think that i had a problem but i knew that it was a problem that i was blacking out pretty regularly I would wake up all the many, many nights, not knowing how I got home, checking to see where my bike was, looking in the mirror to make sure I didn't, you know, have any scrapes or scars or bruises. Nine times out of 10, I did have scrapes, scars and bruises. And, you know, I remember I was laying in my bathtub and I was crying because not only was I using alcohol, but I was pretty addicted to multiple different drugs. And I remember laying in my bathtub thinking, how did this happen? Like, how did I go from this little girl who wanted to be a doctor to a full-blown addict in 14 years? You know, how did I let go of all these dreams that I had? How did all this just kind of unfold the way that it did? And um, I remember that day I was praying. And I was like one of those foxhole prayers where you're just like, I promise I'll never do it again. You just <laughs> one more chance. 
And I remember praying and, and crying and just feeling like, I don't know what to do, but I know I have to do something because this isn't working. And I want something different in my life. You know, I was, I felt like I was on this hamster wheel and all the things that I truly wanted and the things that I knew that I was capable of somehow, somewhere in like a far distant world anyways, I knew that I wasn't going to get to those things if I continued to live the life that I was living. So I went to my first AA meeting shortly after that. And it was not for me, you know, of yeah. course, because I, I mean, saw at, at that stage, was, was it pure binge drinking? Or was it was it a little bit quite regularly throughout the week? Was it just weekends? What kind of levels are we talking uh, about? Then? I, when I think about it, I'm like, I want to say, oh, it was binge drinking. Yeah. But when I look at the reality of what I was doing, you know, I live in Chicago, I'm 26 years old. Yeah, nightlife is great. I'm a huge hippie. There's music every single night of the week. So I was going out every night of the week. But in my head, I was like, well, I'm going out. I'm with my friends. I'm at live music. So Monday turned into Tuesday and Tuesday turned into Wednesday and Wednesday, you know, and the weeks just started to pile up. And I look back and I realized that I was probably drinking every single day, Mm. but not because I needed to get up and have a beer, but because I was living this life and I felt like oh, I'm, I'm really living. I'm, I'm out here. I'm doing it. <laughs> and so I, I never would have called myself an alcoholic. And I still don't know if I was an alcoholic. All I do know is that I didn't want to continue to do what I was doing. And that's what sparked change for me. How was that impact on your friends group? And because I, I know that was the activities, you're going out a lot as well. And, and just because you made that decision, uh, it's very unlikely that everyone makes a decision at the same time. And how did that impact that? And how was um, that struggle or that challenge? Yeah. So um, I lived with people, you know, I had roommates and they were all, you know, partying too. And so when I made the decision to completely quit everything, drugs, alcohol, pot, all of it, I I ended up moving out. Mm-hmm. Um, because I really couldn't be surrounding myself with people who were doing what I used to do because it was really triggering for me. I loved them still the same yep. and I really enjoyed them as people. But for me, I had to put a separation so that I can choose when I wanted to see them and how I wanted to see them. So for me, those first six months to a year, I really stepped away from a lot of my friendships. And then after some time, I got to see who were my real friends, because what I really noticed was that all the people I thought were my friends turned out to just be people that I partied with. And, yeah. you know, I still love them, but they weren't just those true friendships. Those women came back into my life about six months after. But uh, but yeah, it was it was interesting. You know, I made new friends who were sober and who were having fun and having going to parties and they were young and they were there's just like all this fun sober things to do so it made it easy for me to create kind of a new community of people around me um, that were helping me build myself up what was the toughest phase or can you remember a toughest time in that getting sober and a time when maybe you were close to i don't know if you were close to having another drink or going back down or was it a clean break from the start it talked to us about that 
So August 14th of 2014 was the day that I went to my first AA meeting and the last time I actually ever drank alcohol. But I didn't fully get sober from everything for about another year after that. So my sobriety date is actually August 31st of 2015. And alcohol has always been kind of easy for me because I knew it was causing me a lot of problems. It was like weed and other drugs that were kind of the hard ones to let go of because I was not blacking out. Yeah. I, you know, and I, and I still went to concerts. So I was like having these experiences at concerts where I would feel like maybe I could participate once or twice. So I had to fully remove myself from that. Um, it wasn't, it wasn't until I moved to Colorado that I, ever got triggered again though. And I ended up using when I lived in Colorado, which is how I got the August 31st sobriety date. Um, I had moved out there against, you know, all of the suggestions that people gave me and moved in with somebody who I truly love and uh, who supported me and loved everything that I did uh, in my sobriety. But then I ended up using while I was out there because I, I justified kind of my behavior. I was like, oh, I live in Colorado. Everyone smokes weed. Weed wasn't that bad for me. I can do it. Um, and then I ended up doing it and it was the worst experience for me. Um, and that's not everyone's experience, but that was a that was a that was a pivotal moment in my sobriety because after that day was the day that I realized that I never actually want to go back to any of the ways that I was living before. So that moment, that day that I smoked, the very next day was the beginning of this new life, which led me to where I am today as a sobriety coach, which has only come to fruition in the last year. So after six and a half years sober. Okay. And in terms of being a sobriety coach, what are some of the the key stages that you take your clients through, you, you, an advice you can give to someone who's listening to this, they either are thinking they might want to be go down the sober route, or they're trying to go down the sober route, and they've tried and they're, they're struggling. They're not, you know, they're not being successful. Yeah. So um, first and foremost, the most important thing that I found in my recovery and what I help my clients help find is community. So that a community of people who are also doing the same thing as you. So who are sober, who are, you know, if you like to go to concerts, finding a sober community who goes to concerts and, you know, because sobriety can still be a lot of fun and we could still have a good life, actually a better life. Mm -hmm. um, but community is kind of that first step. And, you know, so for me, I started a community for the women who I coach and who are just interested in being sober. Uh, we meet weekly, you know, we just kind of talk about what's going on in life. We don't identify ourselves as addict or alcoholic or anything like that. It's just coming together, being sober, talking about things that are working for us, what's not working for us. That would be the first thing that I always recommend to my clients is finding those sober, fun people that you can build relationships with. And then some of the other stuff we work through, we work on your diet, like what are you eating? But not only what are you eating, what are you drinking, what are you watching, what are you listening to, you know, all these things play a big part in the whole body health. And so as I started off as a health coach and I, you know, I would do all this body work and, and work with the physical, emotional, spiritual. But then as I became a sobriety coach, I realized that those are the important parts of getting sober because, you know, a lot of people, when we get sober, you know, you end up addicted to sugar, uh, which is very common because it 
it creates the same uh, dopamine receptors in your brain. So, you know, diet is super important. We focus on some of that. We talk about inner child work because we need to get to the root of why you started drinking in the first place. And a lot of our, a lot of the women that I talk to, um, connect with, they find that really they're operating from like a six-year-old's body and mind and not really operating from an adult. And they've just been existing for this many years. And then lastly, just like creating a self-love routine. A lot of times addicts and alcoholics, you know, we've self-deprecated for so many years. We have beat ourselves up mentally, emotionally. We don't come in usually to sobriety being like, I'm the best person that ever existed. <laughs> I mean, maybe our ego is saying that, but like yeah. deep down inside, we're really screaming and crying, like begging for something to help us. And uh, something that really helped me in the beginning of my sobriety was creating these like self-love routine kind of acts of self-love. One of them is like buying yourself flowers. You know, it's like just treating yourself with kindness and love and respect. And so those are coming of some of the core things that we go through, especially in the beginning, because I want to change your mindset and your physical reaction to life. And talking about some of the benefits for you, as in obviously pre and post kind of sobriety and how that's affected your life in, in, the, in the positives, because we've been talking about the challenges and, you know, um, alternatives, kind of like the before and after or just like how is life now productivity and able to amplify your mission, like on podcasts like this. And so how what are some of the benefits that people listen to this or authors, coaches, speakers and like that? They're, they're, maybe they're they're being productive. They're putting their message out there, but maybe they're maybe drinking a little bit too much or you know they're not happy themselves when they drink so what are some of the benefits to kind of get into the other side the talk accelerator increase your income influence and impact do you want to do a tedx talk if the answer to that is yes in any way shape or form or it perks your interest head over to talkaccelerator.com that's talk x c e l e r a t o r.com it's got all the information on how you can get a TEDx talk and why potentially you might do and the impact it can have on you and your message. If you go there as well for a limited time, you can click on the green button at several places on the page and schedule in your own idea clarity call where we can talk through your potential idea worth sharing and what makes a great idea worth sharing. The TEDx platform is a great way to enhance everything you do and amplify your message. If you have any interest in that, go across to talkaccelerator.com. That's talk, X-C-E-L-E-R-A-T-O-R.com. If you've got a message, if you've got a mission, it's time to amplify that message and increase your influence, income, and impact. I hope to speak to you very soon. Enjoy the show. To, get, to become sober, the benefits? Yeah. yeah. Oh my God, the list is exponential. I One of the most recent benefits that I've uh, experienced myself, and it's they're always new. It's like life just keeps showing up and I get to be there for it. But I was walking two days ago or yesterday and I noticed all these beautiful leaves, you know, all the, the colors in this and the array of colors and the crunchiness and the crisp air. And it was like all the times that I was drinking or using you know, I'd wake up and yeah, I had to go to work, but I was miserable going. And so I would just rush there and be in my head. And I didn't even notice fall half of the time. Like I remember going years and years and being like, 
how did we go from summer to winter? Where did <laughs> fall happen? And in sobriety, I noticed fall. And I think like that is a great way of looking at life though and how you just notice things. You remember people. You don't have to worry about going to a networking event and drinking at the networking event and then wondering the next day, oh, what did I say to that person? Or, <laughs> um, oh God, I really wanted to connect with that person. Did I did I get their business card? Did I say anything? Did I introduce myself? You know, and uh, I go to a lot of networking events in Chicago and I prefer the daytime ones because there isn't alcohol and there actually is conscious connection yeah. and, and, and really building your business. Um, I've seen for myself going to the daytime meetings where there's no alcohol, everyone's really showing up and intentionally my business does really well during the daytime. The evening ones, it's all about drinking, kicking back after work. Like there's not a lot of networking. So some of the benefits to not drinking is that you're actually showing up to networking events to network. You know, you're focused on who are you meeting? Who do you who are you here for? You're not going to the bar and wasting, you know, minutes or hours um, being stuck over there. You know, and as far as my day to day, like I didn't have any of the things that I have today uh, when I was using like I didn't have dreams. I didn't have ambition. I didn't have goals. I didn't have consistency. I just had that hamster wheel. I already knew what I was going, getting up to do every single day, miserable or not. It was my routine. And that's just how I lived my life. And now I get to choose every single day if I'm how, who I want to be, what my goals are for the day, how am I going to achieve them? And then I also get to have like this. Sorry, there's a. <laughs> no worries. It's a fly. <laughs> <I think. laughs> yeah. And now I get to have like, like if I'm having a bad day, I can actually just have my bad day and not need to fix it or need it to be different. You know, I can just say, okay, I'm having a bad day. That's okay. That's life. Some days you're just you're not going to wake up rainbows and butterflies. Yeah. Um, and, and I don't have to take things to make myself feel better. You know, I can really just be, be, which has taken a really long time for me to get here, but it's such a wonderful way to live. And highly, highly recommend it. Even if you don't have a drinking problem, like removing alcohol from your life or any substances from your life temporarily or permanently will only increase your ability to be the better version of yourself. Mm -hmm. I like that. Good. That's quote worthy there. <laughs> so you mentioned about networking and I know you're involved as a chaplain for engaging speakers. Why speaking? I mean, for you, how do you think about speaking for your business and, you know, getting your message out there? Yeah. So um, it's so funny because I, I never thought I would be here either. Again, like this is like the gifts of being sober and working on myself. And uh, speaking was never something that I was like, oh, yeah, I'm going to wake up and be a speaker someday. But I joined this women's movement about four years ago. And this women's movement is literally why I'm here today, because I learned how to speak there. I learned how to connect with other people to realize that my voice was important and that I had a message to share because they would always call me the female version of Tony Robbins because sometimes I just get like a download and I'm just like, and uh, so, yeah, I love giving people hope that um, that where I came from and 
the experiences that I had. A lot of people may or may not have had them, um, but I've had several opportunities to share my story, my share share of what it was like and what it's like now. And I cannot tell you how many times in my seven years of being sober and sharing about my sobriety, people have come up to me after a, a meeting, you know, or whatever, and said to me, you know, I'm going through that exact same thing right now. And thank you so much for showing me that there's a way to get to the other side, because I see that you're clearly on the other side of it. And that gives me a lot of hope. And so my, my intention is always to just give people the the feeling of hope and to know that they truly can do anything if they really want it. And I really wanted sobriety. Like I really wanted this life to change and for me to be the one that broke the mold in my family, generationally, everything. Awesome. And I said something, something you mentioned before is almost quote worthy. Is there a favorite quote of yours or a quote that you like to kind of approach and live your life by anything spring to mind? Yeah, my favorite quote to live by is God does for me, not to me. Uh, do you want to deal into that? What, why is that your favorite one? Because uh, I have I have had a lot of things in my life that have that could have taken me out, let's say. You know, I've been arrested 20 something times. I have Was that I, all li- linked to the the drinking phase? Or? It was all in my um using years and you know, I have lots of traumas from growing up. I have self-worth traumas. Um, when I was a year and a half sober, I found out that I had seven warrants out for my arrest in two different states and three different counties. What? How yeah. God, How can you just mention that now? <laughs> what? I know. Well, because it plays into this whole thing. Like it really yeah. into um, the God does for me, not to yeah. me. And you genuinely had no idea about these warrants and well, I had an idea about yeah. them when I was using, but yeah. I figured, you know, I had convinced myself. I was yeah. very delusional in my yeah. drinking and using. Yeah. Like, I had just convinced myself that since I nothing happened yet, that I probably didn't have them. They didn't yeah. exist. So I uh, was a year and a half sober when they all just kind of showed up. Wow. And, and the gift was, is that I went and turned myself for in for every single one of them. I faced a judge. I went behind bars for a day, a day or two, uh, depending on which case I was turning myself in for. And every single time I showed up, I would say to myself, God does for me, not to me. And every single time I had an incredible experience. And there was one woman when I was behind bars in DuPage County who I met who was leaving. She had three months sober. And on her way out, her and I connected. They ended up putting us in like the one of the phone booths together because they'd ran out of room somewhere else. And so it was just her and I, and we were talking. And, you know, I got to tell her that I was 18 months sober and, you know, I had to turn myself in. And she was telling me she had three months sober and um, she didn't know what she was going to do when she left here because they didn't give her any tools. And she was going back to a using household and whatever. And so in that moment, I knew that the reason I was there and the reason I had to turn myself in at that exact moment was because I had to help this woman and give her hope so that she could leave jail and have a fighting chance at staying sober. And so throughout my recovery, whenever something happens, you know, I've witnessed horrible acts of humanity in my sobriety. And every single time it's an opportunity for me to see like 
I'm here for a reason. And whether it's for my own self to become aware of what the world is that we live in or to be able to be of service to other people. And so that that quote just keeps me from going back to the way it was because then I stay out of the victim mindset and mm-hmm. I stay in the victor mindset where I'm constantly looking at life as a lesson and a teaching that's only going to help me grow spiritually, emotionally, physically, and be of service to others. What's your all-time favorite book? And I wonder if there are any books linked to sobriety uh, that are relevant as a resource for this episode. I would say that my uh, most favorite book is actually going to be right here. And it's by Dr. Joe Dispenza. Ah, And it's called Breaking the Habits of Being Yourself. And this book is one of the books that I have my clients read. um, And then we go over some of it. Like it's just an extra thing if if they want to. But it really helps you to create a new mind so that you, Dr. Joe Dispenza, I mean, I just, I love him. I love his teachings. I love his meditations. He really helps you to, again, go from that victim mindset to the victor and to be able to really uh, change the neuro uh, connectors in your brain just by doing different meditations, really creating this new patterns of thinking in your life. So this one is one of my, my all-time faves. Awesome. And just in starting to wrap things up, if you had the opportunity to have a billboard that the whole world could see or give a TEDx talk again that the whole world is going to see, is going to check, what would be the specific idea? I know, obviously, kind of the realm it's going to be in, but what, what would be the specific idea or message that you'd want to share? I think that my message would be like, you are capable of great things. Because that would be the message that I would have wanted to see when I was in my addiction and struggling to figure out how to get out. Because I didn't believe that I was capable of doing anything, you know. So to be able to see that would be maybe the eye opener that I really needed at the time. And if people want to continue the conversation, what's the best way for them to connect with you? Uh, My website is thebodytalkwarrior.com. You can go on there and connect with me through email. Otherwise, I have an Instagram account called SoberCoach underscore Katie. And Instagram is probably the place where I'm the most active. Awesome. And around this to- uh, topic, around this topic of sobriety, what is the one thing that you feel like we haven't covered in it? You know, because you're the expert, we haven't covered in enough detail. You feel like there's a missing piece to the puzzle when it comes to sobriety and, and giving people the full picture. Yeah, I think that the the missing piece in sobriety and, and the reason actually I even became a sobriety coach is I left 12-step recovery because there's a lot of fear-based ling- language and I started my own thing. And um, I think the biggest thing that's missing that I see is actually two things, getting to the root of trauma. Uh, trauma is definitely the number one offender, in my opinion, for people who become addicts or alcoholics. And then the second thing is working with plants, plant medicines um, from cacao to ayahuasca uh, and all the in-between stages to help shift your perspective and your mindset and also help you heal the trauma that you're dealing with. Uh Are there any good resources around that plant-based stuff you just mentioned there? Any good resources or where someone could find out more about that sort of stuff? That's a great question. I I only know (laughs) through experiences. I do know there's a couple of different like plant medicine recovery groups out there. And um, so I, I don't have necessarily the resources, but actually Dr. Gabor Mate, 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 
Gaber Mate. Oh God. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> always, I always trash his name. <laughs> Gaber Mate. Yeah. He is incredible and actually comes to mind uh, as the the resource that I would definitely check out because he talks a lot about plant medicine and addiction and and really the connecting pieces. Awesome. Well, Kate, thank you so much for your time today and amplifying your mission. It's been an absolute pleasure. Thank you so much, Adam. I really appreciate this opportunity and look forward to chatting more. All right. Have a great week. Amplify your message and amplify your mission. System shutdown. Three, two, one.